Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Um, Today, I got Jennifer Anderson-Smith and Kate Anderson-Foley. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Tyler. Thank Uh, you. Grateful to have you both on. So this is actually... This is a really fun episode. I've only done this like once or twice before out of all the interviews I've done um, where we have two people. So we got ourselves um, three total on the podcast. So I'm going to let each of you one at a time um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about what you both do. I guess I'll go first. Uh, This is Jennifer. Um, I actually just moved to Connecticut from Philadelphia. So uh, starting, starting a new life, but um, I've been active in uh, activism uh, in local politics, um, working for racial justice, uh, different civic engagement, uh, activism, activism, um, climate change, et cetera. Um, And I have four children uh, and enjoying life right now. Beautiful. Four children. All right. You got a lot of energy. (laughs) Well, well, they're grown. They've taken a lot of that energy away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, uh, Kate? Thanks, Tyler. So, this is Kate. Um, I have had a great career in public education from classroom all the way to the state department level. And because of those lived experiences professionally and personally, Um, That's kind of how we started to come around this book. But what my responsibility was and continues to still be is to advocate for children who have historically been marginalized, be it through disability, um, color, socioeconomic status, you know, what have you. That's always been my my role. Okay. So, so yeah, let's actually dive right into the book. And I guess you guys tell me, would you like me to kind of like direct questions to one of you, or would you guys like to make the decision when I, when I ask it, whatever's easier for you guys. Just shoot the question and, uh, and one of you will just jump. Sounds good. So, well, first, yeah, just give us a little background on the book. Like what's the book about fiction, nonfiction. Um, Just give us kind of the the lowdown about the book. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll take this question, Jennifer. Uh, this book, even though it's labeled as fiction, it's based off of our combined lived experiences and things that we've come across, again, both personally uh, and professionally. So it is a children's book. Um, it's based, her name is Ida. Ida finds her voice. And it's about, a, it really is an empowering book. Um, but it's about a little girl who comes across various um, situations throughout her week as she's in school and on the playground, et cetera. And she's just trying to make sense of all of the things that are coming at her uh, and trying to make sense of discrimination or why can't I play with somebody and things like that. And through the course of the book and with her sidekick owl named Smalls, which really serves as her inner voice, um, it makes it bigger and bigger until she eventually says, I've got this. It's, you know, I, I can stand up to people who are maybe being mean or um, not inclusive and, and stand up for what's, what's right and what's just and what's loving. Kindness. Got it. Okay. And then um, what kind of issues does Ida Finds Her Voice raise? So what, what specific ones? 
So there is a disability. Uh, one of her friends who gets on a bus in a different way because of a physical disability. Um, we have a, a scenario where there's personal space issues and it's important to recognize that in schools, especially at the younger grades, uh, personal space is a very big topic. So we, we felt it was part of you know, the larger conversation. Um, culture and maybe misidentifying culture versus uh, recognizing that all kids want to have a friend and want to play. So that's the backdrop for that. Um, uh, orientation issues with family members and then race and it plays out in a real life situation um, at, at the park. Got it. Okay. And then, um, and you kind of touched on this um, a little bit with both of your backstories, but what was like the, the actual literal, like, you know, the rubber meets the road, like you both decided, like, I'm going to write this book. Well, it was really kind of fun. So my cousin Kate uh, called me up one day, uh, you know, she, her work that she does um, fits into the book and what I've been doing actively uh, in my neighborhood fit into the book. So before she even finished the sentence about, I have this idea, I jumped right in and said, yes, I would like to be involved. So yeah. it, was, it was quite fun. And being up to work with uh, my cousin has been a fantastic time. Yeah, no, that's, it, it actually sounds fun. I mean, writing a book, um, you know, it can be difficult, but if you have somebody to do it with, it, it kind of, I'm sure you guys maybe became like accountability partners too. Like, I'm curious, Actually, let's talk about that because a lot of our listeners are authors and aspiring authors. Um, so what was the dynamic? Like, how did you set up a schedule? Did you do weekly calls um, or did you separate tasks? Like, how, how did the whole thing come to be? So we had originally, um, I had this idea and I'd written this draft and I sent it to Jennifer. And then from there, we started to figure out, okay, what would we need in order to make this happen? And so we set up a calendar of calls and we gave ourselves, as you mentioned, accountability uh, coaches, if you will, we set up, okay, by this deadline, we're going to have draft number, you know, whatever the number was um, posted in Google docs or sent via email. And then uh, feedback is given. And then we're going to set up the call and talk it all through and then, you know, revise as we uh, moved along this book. I'd say the whole thing took um, about a year, even though the idea happened a couple years ago, it takes a long time to, to write a high quality book. And then the illustrations that go with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. The illustrations too. That's the whole other side of it. So yeah, it was big. Was there any, um, with like both of your guys accountability, did you guys do anything like stakes? Meaning like if um, you both had a goal by the end of the week and one of you didn't hit it, they had to like, I don't know, do something funny or pay you 50 bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're, um, we, we laughed it through. And if, you know, we're, we're forgiving people, you know, and yep. if one of us did where we kind of made a joke for it, a joke of it and, and pushed each other to, to move on. But uh, <laughs> no, it's been a fun, fun little ride. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I always, um, cause it's just cool to, to hear that because I, even if somebody's writing their own book, I always recommend to people to like find somebody else who's also writing a book. And then, you know, look, most, I want to say most, but some people can just have a normal accountability like you both 
And, you know, it's, if it doesn't get done, then it doesn't get done. Either way, you, you guys both eventually finished it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's something about having some high, and it's not necessarily high stakes, but just some stakes. Um, I used to do that when I was younger, um, just with like goals that I had, like tasks that I wanted to complete on a weekly basis. I, I lived with six other guys. We called it like an entrepreneur house. Yep. And um, it was when I was just getting started. I was, yeah, this was eight years ago. I was 20 years old. And we would basically come up, you know, each week we would gather and then be like, all right, what are your goals for the week? And then if you do not hit them, what are you going to do for like one of us or for the house as a whole? Um, And it was something that was not unbelievably significant, but it was maybe be like, I'll, I'll take over the cleaning of the house or I'll cook dinner for everybody on Friday night and pay for it, which at the time when you're, you know, 20, (laughs) that's a big motivator. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I was like, I don't have a hundred bucks to feed uh, six people. (laughs) I better get my work done. Yeah, get this done. Yeah, so it definitely, and and it was almost like, and and obviously there's different ways to motivate yourself, but it was almost like a shame type of thing. Like you didn't want to be there with the other six people and just have to openly say like, (laughs) I didn't get it done. And then they're all like, dude, why not? Like what happened? So, well, um, I would say, I would say that because we had uh, external deadlines and I'll talk a little bit about that. We yeah. kind of worked backwards. So we, we knew that we wanted this book out by the fall. And we knew then, you know, backward chaining, what would it take to make that happen? Now we raised the funds to do that on Kickstarter. So we had oh, a nice. launch date. And we, um, I think uh, Jennifer would agree that we both kind of kept on that date as an important date and that everything needed to you know, fit within that. So we worked really hard to not only write, but prep uh, the Kickstarter piece. And then once that, when we were you know, very successful in getting that done, um, then we set the site on when do we need to send it to the publisher? And then again, backward mapping it. So we make sure everything was done in, a, in, a, in the right way in a, in a compressed, I'd say it was a compressed timeline because our illustrator you know said this has never been done like this that that fast and we said well it's it's a very important book and we need to get this out in 2019 so it came out in december 2019 so just to let you know just to let you know so it wasn't until we got our funds that our illustrator did didn't start working right right. on the actual book until then so um there was that and isn't there, I think with Kickstarter, isn't there, there actually is like a deadline. Like I think, don't you have to like tell the people that invest like when they're going to get like their gifts yes, or whatever? Exactly. Right. Right. Yes. I like that. Well, that, that's yeah. very motiv- motivating. There's actually another, um, just to kind of help out a friend, there's actually another website called Publishizer. Have you guys ever heard of it? I have. We not. haven't. Oh, okay. So maybe, um, and Kickstarter is great. So I'm not, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but publishizer.com is literally a site for authors to, to get funding. And, uh, there's a bunch of publishers like myself on there as well. And then what happens is basically as you, I guess, get more funding, um, then, uh, more publishers are kind of like notified about your book. And then if we have an interest in it, we can message the author directly and have a conversation um, so it's, it's basically like Kickstarter, but it's only for books. So just, just an idea if you do a future book or, um, anybody listening, it's, it's a good tool. Yeah. Thank uh, you. That's great. Um, so let me see of my next question. So when, um, what are, what kind of skills 
does Ida finds her voice teach? So like, what can people expect to learn skill wise from this? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it teaches us to be kind. Okay. Uh, We're, we're trying to teach empathy, tolerance, and to listen to your gut. Uh, We, you know, it's really important that we listen to our inner voice. Um, As adults, we teach children to think with our brain, to feel with our heart. And we, often forget to teach our children to listen to their gut. And it's really important that we start doing that at a young age that, you know, if something feels wrong, there's a good chance that there's something wrong. So those are some of the things, you know, that we, we really listen to our gut, listen to our inner voice, and also to have empathy and tolerance. And, and I would add, and I would add uh, this, that I mean, it really does teach children that they have the power to, like Jennifer said, listen to their voice and listen to that gut and then stand up and say something. Mm, exactly. Yeah, because oftentimes, you know, especially adults always, you know, hush, hush, whisper, whisper. And I'll use, I'll use a disability, a physical disability that you can see. And, you know, the parent is shushing the child, when the child has an honest and open question, hey, dad, why is, you know, that child in a wheelchair? Why, what, doesn't his legs work? That's a legitimate question. And, and instead of adults shush, shushing, we need to say, well, you know what? That child uh, walks in a different way, but that doesn't make them less than. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, the older I get, the more I, I become, that I've, I've become aware of like that gut feeling that you're talking about. Yep. And I kind of like play, I mean, I obviously think logically as well. Like if I'm planning for the future, I will have, you know, a logical plan. But then as I'm interacting with people or actually, you know, doing something in action, um, like, you know, activating the plan that I created, I feel what's going on and reflect afterward. And then I pivot from the plan that I originally created. Right. Mm-hmm. So exactly, that's a perfect example because we're always taught to override that feeling and go with the our intellect. Yeah, and honestly, sometimes you you you, you can't like you sometimes there's not like a logical answer for things. You can just like feel that it's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes what happens, I think, when it's like yourself feeling that, what what we tend to do is like we'll like push it to the side. Exactly. Let's just say it's something that's benefiting you, but it's wrong, right? So I don't know. Somebody in business is making a lot of money, but they're not doing it ethically. So, and I think I think as a parent, it's it's important that we nurture that, you know, with our children. You know, here's the deal, and I'm not I'm not trying to you know make a bunch of beef against the school system, but at the end of the day, I feel like schools just don't really teach that at all. So yeah so now i hear you on that one tyler um and i think that is one of the things that we wanted to get out of this book is definitely one of our goals um the notion of resiliency um is a a hot button topic right now in school districts and social emotional learning um Mm -hmm. it's a hot button topic but what i've known from my 30 years in business is social emotional learning and those resiliency skills have always been the foundation for everything else. And to your point, sometimes school districts kind of put that aside and just focus in on the academics. 100%. That, I mean, I just, um, I guess I, you know, this book is, is supporting that, that type of change. And I, th- exactly. I think that's what, 
I think that's what it is. It's like, I feel like a lot of us do think this, but it's such almost like an overwhelming, like, how are you going to change the entire school system? Well, maybe you just, you know, maybe you write a book, maybe you start with one school, right? Right. So um, you still got to move, even though it's a huge task to change the entire, entire thing. Because, you know, when I think about what helped me to get to where I am today, it was more about feeling right, like tapping into that and realizing, okay, I just did this activity. Like my major was accounting in college and I hated it. Yep. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> right. So then look where I am eight years later. So I drop out, you know, write a book, help others with books and then start a podcast. So like I, I progressively went towards people interactive, yes. you know, orientation type of career. Um, because that's who I am. Like I can do podcasts all day. I could talk to you guys for hours. Um, and I, and this is what I love to do because I, I feel like it puts me in the present moment. So mm -hmm. to summarize everything I'm trying to say here is like, I just think that schools, if there was a way that the teachers, it would be less about the grades that you get on um, a test and more about the teacher kind of like almost, this sounds wrong, but almost like spying on the kids in a sense. And, and like, just being aware of like, Hey, you know, John over there, he's not very good at accounting, but he interacts with everybody, you know, right. like, so he might be really good to do like a talk show or something, you know what I mean? And yes. probably not becoming a kid. So that is not happening. I don't think in the school system right now. Yeah. I think uh, to your point, there's so many accountability, you know, mandates that are on schools, but what they've realized is that because they focus so much on the academics, they've forgotten who the child is. Yeah. And they're trying to get back to that, which I think is a good thing. And sure. you know, that's what a lot of these, um, these examples um, have come from Jennifer's lived experiences and mine as well. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it. I, just because someone is different, um, children mirror what their families or an adult and sometimes teachers have said about certain groups of kids. And mm -hmm. that's where this book really challenges us to say, okay, so let's, let's have that hard conversation. How do we start to have a difficult conversation? Um, let's say it's about culture. You can't group a group of children or people in general simply because they come from a different place. And mm -hmm. we need to start getting to know them. And that's what Ida's trying to do with one of the girls on the playground. She's trying to, she's trying to say, hey, do you want to go play? And the girl's very excited, but another one comes in and kind of parrots what her parent has told her about this, this child or this group of, of people. And so all of a sudden, again, Ida's trying to make sense of this, and she's getting mixed feelings. She's getting mixed messages when, in fact, she's saying, ouch, doesn't everybody want to have a friend? Like as simple as that and that we get to know one another yeah and so let me ask you this so how can you um how does like the book or or i guess you teach children to stand up in difficult situations i'm curious how that came through with the book and what you both would say on that well i think kate um when she used the word ouch that's perfect yep. example that we are trying to tell adults children anybody that will listen it's mm. a very easy word when if you hear something or you see something that isn't acceptable it's kind of it's a non-confrontational way of saying that's unacceptable so a little kid 
can say, ouch, you know, like that hurts, or I've, I've used it. I've had somebody say something derogatory in front of me and it was a friend's friend. And so I just said, ouch, to let him know that that made me feel uncomfortable. So that's just an easy word and it's for everyone. It's a, it's a great little start. Um, it's not that, you know, so if you have a bully that hears ouch, they're not gonna get fired up hearing that. Um, but it also like somebody that's being bullied, if they hear somebody that says ouch, they know they have, you know, somebody that is with them and that they're not alone. Got it. Yep. That makes sense. And, and I'm, this is just a curiosity question. How did you come up with the name Ida? So that is from uh, Ida B. Wells, uh, who was a historical figure. Uh, oh, okay. She, yep. She was a, um, a journalist, um, African-American journalist, abolitionist, feminist. She did all kinds of great things in the time frame of, um, you know, the 1800s to 1931. So she was a real, she stood up and she moved her feet. And so that was, it just felt natural that, you know, we, we select a strong female character name. Got it. Awesome. Okay. And so what are your, I'm going to try to word this question. So like for both of you, and maybe you both have different answers, but you know, you wrote the book, there was a goal behind the book. So um, even beyond the book though, like what is both of yours kind of like utopia scenario um, with, you know, what you both are kind of going towards. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I can go first, Kate, and then Please go ahead. Um, so my goal is to start the conversation as early as possible about these tough topics that we're talking about. Um, and as an adult, as a parent, we may not have all the answers. We usually don't. <laughs> and, and some of these topics we may not have any clue about but if you tell your child well let's you know if they ask a question and you don't know it well let's look into that so it's a learning experience for both you and the child that you can learn about different cultures uh different you know uh you know about disabilities whatever you want to talk about but it's it's a tool to start the conversation as young as possible so that the time that we are adults we can have honest uh calm conversations with people who don't that don't agree with us got it okay and i would and i'd add to that um you know we specifically have a note for parents because um through our experiences parents the adults oftentimes just don't know how to start it and like jennifer said you know we don't really know all the answers let's find out together and we give a couple of resources you know be it library visiting or getting to know, again, getting to know people. When you, take a, when you take a category away and you get to know someone up close, then, you, then you've got the power to change how people think and feel about um, people in general. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd also say one of the goals of this book was uh, activism. You know, we, are, we come from a family who, um, says, well, if, if it's not you, then who? Well, that was one of the things that came up in the last few years. Um, we live in a very, you know, highly charged society and it was getting worse and worse. And as I was trying to um, help uh, adults and children navigate this, people were saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know, have the answers. We've got to have a different platform to start doing this. 
and that was a large part of this book. It provides that platform, but through the eyes of a child, kind of getting back to what we originally talked about. When you strip away the intellect and you start to go right into that, um, that emotional piece, the emotional intelligence piece, that's where you've got the power to really change um, people's views. You take a different point of view. You look through the eyes of somebody else and then you are, you are changed forever. And that's one of the best teaching practices that you know, this book can have. It teaches children to unpack all those words, identify the feelings, and then be able to stand up or say something to say, that's not right. This, you know, I want to be a friend with that person, regardless of what that is. And I think that is the biggest thing that we as grown-ups need to tap into. Kids instinctively know when something's not right. Well, we've got to nurture that, as Jennifer mentioned. We've got to nurture that. So difficult conversations or be it culture, race, religion, you know, disability, whatever it is, people aren't shying away, turning their eyes, shushing. Let's have great conversations and so that it's just a part of who we are. Yeah, you know, I think that that any, uh, one of the things that I've kind of realized, I think is like any conversation that feels difficult to have, you should probably have it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah I'd like to just put in a plug that the book is called Ida Finds Her Voice and can be found at idafindservoice.com or Amazon. Yep. Of course. Um, so, but, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's almost like the same kind of um, theory, I guess it is. I don't know where if like you're fearful of something, right. It probably means that on the other side of that fear, um, whether it's financial success or just, you know, happiness from doing the activity, um, you know, that's, uh, it's something you fear, something you should kind of go towards um, right. and not hide away. So same thing with difficult conversation. It's like, you don't have to agree with everybody. In fact, if you do agree with everybody, you're, that would be not very useful, you know? Right. Um, so you want to just be able to, but you want to be able to have conversations. Like the other side of that is I don't think it's good to like be yelling at, you know, be like what you believe. There's no way it's terrible. It's like, I actually am always curious, like of the other person's side and then I can still disagree, but there's no need for actual like physical, you know, violence or anything. So I don't know. I just think, you know, hopefully this interview uh, will kind of open people up to just be willing to, you know, say you're on one side of the, let's just say political spectrum or something. Right. And yeah. somebody else is on the other side. It doesn't mean that like you should, you know, hate that person or something. Exactly. Just because, like have a conversation maybe like, cause here's the thing too, what I realized as well. And this is why this book's so important is that you, people got to realize that who you are as an adult is so much about your parents and how they raise, like it is dramatic. Okay. So like, and you still have free will, like you make your own decisions, I believe. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's very unlikely that like, you'll just become a wrestler, like the rock, you know, like the rock, <laughs> the rock's dad was a wrestler, you know? So like, let's put two and two together here. So either way, I just think um, this book's very important for that reason. Cause it's not, it, it's kind of showing the parents, like have these conversations when your kids are younger, not even uh, necessarily only for the present situation of them being younger, but because how it will mold them as an individual when they're old. Definitely, definitely. And, and that you said it so perfectly, um, Tyler, you know, we want to uh, have our children be engaged citizens, but more than that, we want them to, to be advocates for a just and loving world. Yep. Right. 
Yeah, and it sounds simple, but that's a big lift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a big lift. Um, so one of my last questions. So um, one of the questions was, why, why do we need to whisper when discussing topics in, in public with our children? What, what are your answers on that one? Well, you should actually, we, yeah, no. <laughs> Do no, not whisper. Not whisper. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. yes. Oh, okay, that, that one got translated incorrectly. <laughs> no, no right. but it's, That's awesome. it's, it's perfect because, you know, like if you see, uh, you know, you're with a, you know, three-year-old kid that maybe has never seen an African-American before uh, or a person of color. And so they're pointing, mommy, you know, what's that? You know, and we usually say, you know, we, you know, stop pointing that's a black person and you know or like I'll tell you later it shouldn't be about that it's you know this sh it's not something that we should look at negatively it's like ah no this is a person with disabilities or that has you know that person has different pigment um you know there's a number of different ways that we can talk about things but it certainly shouldn't be whispered because many times we think we kind of think oh if we're whispering it then it's something that we uh can't think it in a positive way or that it has to be hush-hush. In, in reality, it shouldn't be hush-hush. We should be talking about this stuff all the time. And it's okay, you know, kids asking questions, that's that's how they learn. That's how they so learn. So we, yeah, we don't wanna hush that at all. Right. I love it. You know what's so funny? That's literally why I wanted to ask that because I was like, this question, or, because it, it literally says, you know, the way I said it. So I was like, this doesn't feel in alignment with everything <laughs> else. So I was like, I wonder, <laughs> Not that I was trying to like call you out. I just was curious. I was like, maybe there's a reason for it. So, yeah. No. Um, so cool. Well, okay. My, see, my gut feeling was right. Yeah, that's right. You'll listen feeling. to it. Um, <laughs> voice, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, the I, you know, you already uh, said the website and the book, but please, the floor is yours. Anything else you want to share? Um, book, the website, anything else? Um, the floor is both of yours. So I would I would want to I, I want to highlight a couple things. Um, one is sure. a sidekick um, stuffed animal named Smalls. That is a great mechanism within the story that serves as the um, the inner voice that's going to be coming louder and louder until she turns that page and says, I, I I know who can bring the hero out and it's me. Like I found I have found my voice. And that uh, character's name was mentioned, was named after Robert Smalls. And he's a historical figure too. And one of the things we wanted to do with both of these characters is that there's stretch, that it's not just a real young children's book. It can start as early, but can go up to certain age levels because you can take topics out of that book. You can get historical pieces out of that book. Like who is Robert Smalls? It, that is a quest that every child uh, and every teacher should go on. You know, who is Ida B. Wells? That's a quest they should go on. What are some of these other uh, topics, uh, culture, um, religion, you know, orientation, disability? Each one of those topics um, is worth investigating, is worth having a quest on. And I would just like to say, um fun little thing for you know if you have a little kid who's you know moving around a little bit um so on uh, smalls uh, i just sidekick uh smalls has a a hat and he has an emoji on his hat and so when ida's happy 
the emoji is a happy face when Ida's upset. It's a unhappy emoji. So it's a fun little thing to point out to little kids and they can kind of look at the next page and they can see, you know, um, so it's just a fun little thing that uh, not many people will know. And then they can relate to, right? It's Absolutely. identifying feelings. No, I, I love it. I, again, I really appreciate that you guys took action um, and created this. So um, yeah, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And um, yeah, it was fun. I always find it really fun to have two people on at once. So it's a fun night. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Tyler. Really Actually, it. Yeah, This has been great, Tyler. Thank you so much. Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com, your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact. 